on this episode of Quantum Week, November 3rd through 9th, 1997. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year and we talk about movies and music and headlines and stories. And we are in November 1997 with Boogie Nights and Candle in the Wind. Comma 1997. Yes. Uh, right. So ready to talk Boogie Nights? Yeah, we can just go right into that. Um, I really like this movie a lot. I'm actually close to the love part. You don't like it. You're giving me that look. I, lo- I like this movie a lot. All right, I love this movie. This movie's fantastic. <laughs> okay, good, good. It's one of my favorites. You, so you don't love this movie? I. It's. It could be love. It's like right there. It's. You know why? It's because I love Magnolia. And then slightly less, but still love Punch Drunk Love. And then I, I still, I think this is his third for me. Oof. But, uh, but he is, I love this time period for him. Yeah. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. I love his direction in this time period. I have some, he's someone I wish I liked more. So I love this movie. Yeah. I love this movie. Okay. Yeah. After this, he does Magnolia, which I like. I don't, I don't love. I love Magnolia. And then I he, hope we get to it. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I, I, I actually don't. I would love to just hit all of his movies because his movies are very complex and deep, and there's a lot going on there. So, but then as soon as he got to There Will Be Blood, I was like, eh. And then after that, I've just kind of been eh about it. So, haven't seen Phantom Thread. I haven't seen his last three, and uh, not because I'm I'm holding out. I because there are there is so much to them. I kind of want to. Yeah. And I, I I didn't I didn't There Will Be Blood. I liked. Didn't love. Yeah. Punch, Punch Drunk Love. I barely even liked. I really liked that film a lot. But I wouldn't mind hitting these movies again, though. I, you know, his movies are there's so much to them there, you know, yeah. that you can easily do a rewatch, and uh, and I could I could just be missing the boat. And I haven't seen his last three, and I feel bad about that because I, I I I really should. Yeah, like, he's a great director. We talk about the master a lot in the show, uh, you know, cause it's only because it's come up, you yeah, know, multiple and, times, and it's, yeah. you know, something film people love. And I haven't seen Inherent Vice. I saw Inherent Vice. Again, I was kind of like, eh. Joaquin, the last couple for me, has not hit. I didn't like him in The Joker either. I didn't like him in no, Inherent that's a Vice. Bad take. I, nah, I, I'm not a big fan of that film. I don't, I think, too over the top. Didn't like it. But but that's fine. So I, I've just, I've got a little bit of a, I, I didn't love the film and I didn't love Joaquin. So I need to see Phantom Thread though, because that's um, Danny Lewis, Lewis, right? Yeah. yeah and I, I really like him. So. All right. Well, yeah. we're talking Boogie Nights today, right. which is. Um, my favorite of his films that I've seen. Okay. I think he, in, uh, and it's one of my favorite films, you know, probably like ever, I guess, uh, to some extent, I guess. Yeah. I mean, certainly in my top, yep. probably in my top 20 ever, but it's in my top five. It's in my top five for our show that, you know, the show Ooh. that we've done here. So, um, I'll, I'll go through my top five here and, and kind of talk about where it kind of fits in here. Cause it sounds like it's not going to make your top five. The hard part is because then it would have to kick no country for old men out. That's a tough What's one. What's your top five now? Top five is Pulp Fiction, Road to Perdition, Silence of the Lambs. I mean, has to be. And then the departed no country for old men. That's your top five. Yeah. So this doesn't stack up against <sighs> stacks. I don't know. It gets harder as we go because I know it, because no country for old men could flip with the departed. Like those two could be interchangeable for me. And then I would kind of, th- I don't know. Does it, because mm, then it's Inglorious Back- Bastards, number six. Yeah. Like, ah, so I don't know. It's my hard. top five is number one, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Two is Road to Perdition. Yep. Three is Silence of the Lambs. So yeah. we're the same there. Yeah. My four is Ghostbusters. And it's going to stay there. But my five is Inglorious Bastards, which 
this will Boogie Nights will 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 pass it. So this will be my fifth favorite movie that we we've we've covered. I do think there's a drop off between Silence Lambs and Ghostbusters for yes. sure. Yep. Um, those top three are pretty much or you know pretty. That's gonna be hard to kick in. any of those out. Yeah. And so here's my biggest issue with Boogie Nights. So I do love this movie. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. It's a, maybe the greatest supporting cast in film history. Oh, it's it's great. Yeah, it's an, an awesome incredible cast. cast. Yeah. Uh, really well directed. It really rips off Goodfellas. Yeah, so I, I I haven't seen Goodfellas in so long. Oof. I probably haven't seen that in 20, I, just not for any reason. Yeah. Um, but just I haven't gotten back there, and I want to get back there. But I feel like we'll probably hit it on the show. So maybe I I I, I hopefully would, yeah. it wasn't a huge hit, but hopefully we do. Yeah. And if it ever comes up in the top ten, we're grabbing it for sure. Yeah, but so so I don't remember. I don't remember it. But I did see. I think Ebert talked about that, or someone, a couple people talked about that. In what way did it rip it off? So. It's uh, very similar. So a lot of ways. So you have someone that kind of enters a world. Yep. Uh, Henry Hill and beginning of Goodfellas. And, and, and then it's uh, obviously Dirk Diggler yeah. here. Uh, and he kind of gets groomed. He kind of, you know, he kind of gets groomed to he be this. sort of naive and gets groomed. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and both really are children. Henry Hill was very young, but you know, uh, Dirk is only 17, which is crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, they're in this world. The world is dark and seedy and you kind of see the cracks in the foundation, but it's not until once the same, they even picked the same time frame. It's the 1980s when everything turns to shit for, right. uh, Henry Hill is the same thing turns to shit for, you know, the eighties are, are used by both Scorsese and Goodfellas and Anderson here as like paying the piper for, for the decadence of the years before of the seventies yep. before. Yeah. And, um, and then it all goes to shit and, you know, and just like Goodfellas, it's almost more fun to watch the fall than the, than the rise. The rise is so much it fun, yeah. but then the fall is so amazing. And it so, is. so it's just, it's incredible filmmaking for both, but it's even like, you know, like that shot of, you know, Henry Hill and Lorraine Bracco, uh, when they walk into, uh, that the restaurant, the Copacabana yeah. is that one, a famous one shot. Yeah. You know? yep, yep. But then even as the same thing at the party at Jack Corner's house, yep. when you, you're you swooping around the room and, and follow yep. that girl, jump into the pool. Yes. Uh, but it's the same, yeah, you know, it's very. These movies are very similar yeah. in um, how they're structured. Uh, so, well, he's Paul Thomas Hans was young at this time, twenty seven, and yeah, and he had just he you know he just got the keys to the castle because of because of his first film, right? With Heart Eight, Heart Eight, yeah. Um, so we had a lot I, of control. I have not control. seen that either. I have seen that, but it was so long ago I don't remember. Yeah. Um, used a lot of the same like cast members throughout all of, his yeah. films, which is really cool because you you do develop a relationship with them. Like oh this feels like a P.T. Anderson film because, right. of, you know, all these people are in it. But, but when was Goodfellas? Early 90s, right? 90, 91? Uh, Goodfellas was 90, yeah. 90. So this is him, you know, growing up, um, learning about filmmaking sure. in his early 20s by that time. So I'm sure it was hugely influential. Although he, I don't think he named Scorsese as an influential film director for him. He names a bunch of other people like Kubrick and uh, Jonathan Demme. But and this stuff. definitely but, feels but it, a, it does, a lot yeah. like, like, and I'm not, you know, obviously, you know, there will be blood as much as I'm like, I have conflicted feelings about it. It's a completely unique film. Mm, it's the beginning is 2001, but yes, besides yes. that, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but the yeah. rest, but as oh, it, it is unique besides that. Yeah. That's you know, a, you know, a great film villain. Absolutely. Um, and, and so in Magnolia, Magnolia feels like an element. See, people said back then yeah. that this feels like, this feels to me more like Scorsese. That feels Magnolia like Magnolia feels a lot like an Altman movie. Yeah. I, I can see that. Um, but, but this movie though is, but, Absent of that, which might not even be a critique, maybe it is more of a homage. Uh, absent that, this movie though, it just hits everything. The the, the supporting cast, as we like I said, is probably awesome. the best ever I've seen. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean William H. Macy, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Don Cheeto, <laughs> Ricky and, J. Ricky, but those three, though, up top, though. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, those three all were Academy Award nominees on their own. Yeah. You know, or winners. I mean, uh, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman obviously won for Truman, uh, for Capote, rather. Uh, you know, has Julianne, Julianne Moore's won? Julianne Moore's won, right? She won recently. I think recently. she won. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she's been nominated multiple and times, including for this. Burt Reynolds had been nominated awesome. before. William H. Macy was nominated before for Fargo. Oh, that's right. Fargo um, was first. Yeah. Don Cheadle gives one of the best acting performances I've ever seen in Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> that's right. That's a great film. Hotel, like yeah. his performance in that movie is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and he's great in this. And this, he's, he's really good. He's so good in this. As Buck. He's amazing. Can't figure out what he wants to be. Change, so you see that like outward, like changing his look. But he always loves that stereo stuff, though. He does. At the end, he does figure out what he wants to be yes. and who he is. And he has a great, you know, finds his soulmate and opens up his store and all that. I love, I love the transfer. He's like the success story. He is. In the film. Because everybody, because uh, if you look, so he, the, one of the, one of the last scenes is with him going into a, um, was it like a donut, donut shop slash convenience store and everybody gets killed it's but him. Show. Yeah. And uh, and he walks out with a bunch of money, right. And um, gets to open his store. So he's like, he's. It's you know. an amazing like twist of luck, and uh, <laughs> you know, and all all this stuff kind of happens the same day. It's the same day that uh, Roller Girl beats the shit out of that guy. Yeah. And then it's the same day that Dirk Diggler gets the shit kicked out of him by that guy. Yeah. And then uh, the third, because then because by then you've been like, as as someone is watching, this is near the end of the film. It's all getting dark very quickly. You know, we've seen Roller Girl kind of lose her mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, curb stomp a guy with a roller skate, basically. Julianne Moore's character turns out to be a fucking... Yeah, but let me do, let me, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, let's sorry. kind of keep it to the structure yeah, 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 of, yeah, this, yeah. of the storytelling here. Yeah, yeah. So you have that. Then you have uh, Dirk Diggler, who uh, gets the shit out of him because yep. he's, you know, he's so desperate for money that these guys that hate gay people beat him up. And then, so then you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen to Buck now? Because you're like, this is all gone. Right. So this is going so badly. Right. And then... Um, Even the colonel. Even though, but this is all happening the same day. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. is it's once right, again, I'm sorry, I'm following this sorry. storytelling structure of it, and it's going in threes. And this is what he's doing there is he's kind of showing this third that you expect it to go one way. Yeah. And when it goes the other, that's the fortunes for other people in the movie do kind of shift a little bit. It gets a little bit. You're like, all right, well, maybe it's not going to end as pitch black. Right. Because Buck did get out of that. But when the second you see that gun, you're like, oh, my God, Buck's dead. Because he's fucking we're, gone. We're, we're seeing these other two get, you know, how these horrible things happen. Sure. Them. But right, and then you obviously have other characters as well. There's, there's so much to talk about here with these characters. Yeah, and they all just get they. It, it, it's really dark. So, I actually really like the, the Julianne Moore character. What is she? Amber Waves. Amber Waves. I re- because of how, like, her facade is so caring and nurturing, and but like one level below that, she is a complete fucking sociopath. She's horrible. She's a, totally horrible. She's completely selfish. She's just a complete drug addict who couldn't take care of her own kid and couldn't even take care of her surrogate kids. Yes. You know, watch, she's the one who gave Dirk Diggler fucking Coke. Yes. And which caused his, you know, his spiral down. I mean, partly, partly his ego, but I would contend he's not smart enough where his ego would have brought him down that same path without the fucking drugs. Oh, the that, drugs definitely played a role. That Amber Waves did. I mean, it's, it's kind of the question is, are Amber Waves and especially Jack Horner, they're predators. I think. Are they evil? I don't think Jack Horner is. I think he's a capitalist, which doesn't make him evil. I think I think he was more nurturing than pretty much any anyone else. Like he cared about Dirk. And even at the end, like he, you know, he embraced him, brought him back. He does. I know he was a moneymaker for him, but but, but he takes these kids that are in bad situations and, and puts them in porn. Exploits them. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I guess I don't I don't consider porn exploitive. And be, think of it. Dirk Diggler was psyched thought it was his special fucking purpose to star in adult films. And honestly, it was. 
So just because it's porn doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't make it seem It was different watching. So this movie came out when I was 17, same age as Dirk Diggler. Yep. So when I watched this movie the first time, I was his age. So I, did, I didn't, I didn't look at it as like Jack was explaining. Now that I'm getting closer to Jack's you- age, I'm like, that's the, I would, I mean, that's, that's creepy. That's some weird shit. It is creepy, but I think that his, it, the character didn't make me feel creepy about it. Like the way that he, uh, you, it could have been creepy. If you, like the Colonel character, if he were the one in Jack Horner's, I would, I would have been st- extremely creeped out by him, but Jack never did anything that was creepy. He didn't take it. Adv- okay. He put them in films and gave them a bunch of money. He didn't force them to have sex with it. He didn't come on to a bunch of people. Like he wasn't, you know what I mean? He was pretty practical about it. Hey, we've got things that make money. You're good at this thing. How about we do it? It was more practical, I thought. But Julianne Moore is a complete fucking sociopath. Yeah, Amber I Wicks. think both characters uh, were definitely more evil than I remembered them. I didn't. I didn't get evil vibe from uh, Horner. I did, I felt like he was just the ultimate in exploit in exploitive grabbing these these kids that were. Like roller girl, like these people still, you know, he's taking, he's well, bringing them into a world where there there are drugs, there are is shit going down, and but, but also, but think of where Dirk Diggler would have been. Like he gets into a fight. His mom is a complete borderline personality, like yeah, his narcissist, a yeah, terrible, terrible part. You see the poor dad gets beat down by like oh, that completely, whole, yeah. He's like, high. I feel so yeah. bad for that guy. Um, and uh, so where would Dirk would have been? Like he's not a smart guy. No, he is like a fucking dimwit. Oh yeah. And he wouldn't have done, he would have been a dishwasher at a whatever, but instead Jack Horner gave him what, like he made a lot of great money. He got a lot, like a lot of praise, you know, adulation for, for his skill set, which, you know, it's porn, but still it's a skill set. I guess we brought him into this world and, and but that world gave and, him and, so and much. And he nurtured this world of also, but this also has drugs. It also oh, has, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, but Horner didn't get caught up in that. He wasn't a drug user. I but mean, he, he provided, he, he had an idol out of it. He did. But then I could see him saying, you know, these are adult people too. I'm giving them opportunities and you know, I can't, I'm not their dad. I can't, I can't run their lives for them, but I can give them opportunity. I can give them a leg up. Dirk made probably, a million times mon- more money as a as in this situation than he would have as a, you know the rest of his life. Like what what if, what would his life have been like? He wouldn't have been happy as a dishwasher. He just would have been some guy like who would have just gotten older and beat down life over time. The funny about this movie is that Paul Thomas Anderson, who also wrote this film as well, yeah. And this is something with younger filmmakers that you, you see a bit with with the, and you see it here a lot is that. He, he likes these characters. Yeah. He doesn't respect any of them. You don't think he respects them? No. Even Jack Horner? He mocks them. He mocks them the entire film. He's mocking them, which. Yeah, he, mock- I, he does. Yeah. I think it's funny, but like he is shitting on these people the entire time. And it's very much a, um, on a pedestal, a, you know, judging, which is fine. Uh, it, it's. It's youthful, I think. I don't. I don't. I don't think he does this. I don't think he would do this now because he doesn't. He has a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think if he's going to make Boogie Nights say now, I don't think it would be as because all of these people are all like he's shitting on all of it. He he's mocking it the entire time. Who takes it worse though? I think it's William H Macy's character, right? That poor guy. Oh my god. That guy just gets. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but I mean, even like you know, Phil, Phil Seymour Hoffman's oh, character. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. But like, even when you're introduced to him, you're introduced to him. He walks into this party and they're carting out this girl that's you know, t- 
completely overdosing on drugs. Yes. And he and he asked, is she all right? She's being carried out. She's being carried out. all over her place. Is she all right? And he's in clothes that are like three sizes too small. But you know what the thing about it is? He gets accepted though. He gets like, he, I forgot what happened to his character. I thought that maybe, I mean, I, uh, I remember that he tried to kiss Dirk Diggler, yes. but Dirk doesn't, he, I mean, he's kind of like, oh, grossed out by it. Cause yeah. Phil, but, but he doesn't like knock him out or anything. And he's or get always him part shunned. of the group. He's he, always part of the group. He leaves with, uh, with, uh, with Reed Dirk and, and, yeah. and they, they all end up kind of leaving, I guess, Jack's world together. Cause yeah. they're all, you know, but he always follows Dirk around. It's, very very sad I guess, it is way, very but. sad but at least he's accepted like he wasn't he's not like kicked out of that group i mean if i you know no. i wouldn't have allowed that character in my friend group would he been a part of your ninja turtle clan uh probably not yeah probably not yeah. so i so but okay so he gets shit on but i think william h macy's gets shit on the worst and i actually i love the scene with him and jay when uh, William H. Macy's wife's getting plowed in the fucking driveway and they and Jay's trying to talk to him about the, the film that's going to yes. happen the next day and William H. like I'm sorry but, yeah. you know I can't really talk about this right and he goes away and Jay Ricky walks Jay, down he to goes go to watch, watch the wife yes. I love that scene it's so much it's really funny uh, yeah William H. Macy is is fantastic in he's, this he's really I mean good. he's just coming off Fargo and uh, <laughs> you got the worst haircut and fucking oh. brawny mustache and he's trying to be authoritative, but he has no one really. No, take, no one really listens to him. Well, does anybody listen to the assistant director anyway in a film? No, because that's his not. character. I mean, so. he's the assistant director. Isn't really. That's not really a role. But uh, there's no such thing as that. But there uh, isn't. Not really. No. Oh no. There's okay, no assistant right. director. Well, then there you go. So he's just this like appendage that doesn't even need to be there. Yeah, he, and he, but he's just like not taken. But he's just not taken seriously no. by anyone. He's like this middle management guy, and uh, yeah. and then his wife obviously just you know humiliates him at every turn. It's little John too. It's so but diminutive. See, but right before, right before he kills himself, he, he smiles. He's like, ah, oh, finally she's like out of my life. And he, and then he, he blows his brains out. But yeah, there's like a quick second where he's like, he's finally at peace. Yeah. Now I've, yeah, I've finally taken action because it, he doesn't, he keeps walking in on his wife getting plowed and she keeps saying, go sleep in the couch or like, go, can you, do you mind? We're, we're getting busy here. And he so always great. leaves. It's so great by William H. Macy to, to choose to do that. To, yeah. To give this like wry smile. Like, ah, and, you know, obviously then he, Speaking of inspiring, he, he kills himself. It, it, right. It's dark and ugly, but it's also funny. Um, yes. Uh, the expressions every time someone sees Dirk Diggler's dick. Yes. Are priceless. The Colonel who just like, he's, he's a very kind of stoic character, yes. even though there's all this gross stuff underneath. Very stoic character. You can just see him like slightly smile and say, thank you. After Dirk shows him his dick, everybody, they like kind of turn. They're all, you just see them all like so slight you know, shocked. So Robert Ridgely plays the Colonel. He died. When? Like right after oh. he had cancer, I guess. And he died in February 97. And this movie came out, obviously we're in November 97. Yeah. So he died, like must've died right after it wrapped, but he didn't seem like someone who was sick with cancer. No, at all. he didn't. He seemed strong. He and was, fit, and yeah. he was great. So when they, when they originally did, cause this was originally a short film, um, yep. before hard yeah. eight mockumentary type. Yeah. Film, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And Dirk and uh, Robert Ridgely, the guy who plays the Colonel played Jack Horner. Cause I think he was a family friend. Yeah. And, um, so he, cause, um, Paul Thomas Anderson's dad did oh. a lot of voiceover work and stuff. Yeah, he was that's the guy right. Who did the love boat. Like he did the love boat. Um, I Vo- think voiceover. Yeah, I believe so. Oh, wow. But I think, I guess he did like, I know he did like radio stuff too. Yeah. And, um, so, some acting. Yeah. Um, one of the guys that he knew was Robert Ridley who then, you know, um, yeah. Went and he, and he used them. Obviously you only use them in, in this film and, and in heart eight and then in that mockumentary because, um, he passed away, but yeah, he didn't seem sick. He was great. He was really good in this. I thought, I thought he was, he was fantastic. 
even and Wahlberg. I don't know that Wahlberg's been in maybe the fighter. Maybe the fighter was like more him partially, but he, I thought he was great in this film. He was really good in this. The, this, the fighter, and then, you know, you have a Depart. His, he's very yeah, good Yeah, Departed. no, great in The Departed. He kind of has to be, he has to be a certain type of character or it doesn't work for him. Yeah, it's it's funny you think of him because, you know, after Transformers and the other shit, yeah. he's never really happening, which is like one of the worst films ever. That is on my list of bottom five worst That's films I've ever seen. It's terrible. And and he's just, and you're watching, you're like, this guy's not, this guy can't act in a paper bag. Then you watch him in this, or you watch him in Departed. Uh, he's, he's great, and you're yeah. like, oh, he's a great actor. What what happened? I don't. So get it. there's one scene in particular. He's good in Perfect Storm too. I know it's a smaller yeah. role, but like he's good in it though. He has to be a certain type of character. Um, him being a dumb, naive guy, a hundred percent works for him. Um, with his looks and like you know, you he it totally works for him. But he's not dumb and naive. No, in, not uh, in real life. In uh, in the Departed. Yeah. Nobody's a sarcastic, but he's also he plays sarcastic like asshole Boston guy really well too. He has a, he's got kind of yeah, a narrow he's got range. a couple of different, yeah. But in, lanes, he's but. no better than in the scene where he's with fucking, is it Thomas Jane or Eric uh, Eckhart? Or, Thomas or, Jane. Thomas Jane. Uh, I always get them confused. That that scene um, and Riley, when they're, you know, when they're trying to rob, um, what was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No scene yeah. better than, for some reason, Paul Thomas Anderson so you're, talking, you're at, talking about the scene at the, at the near the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. They're at, they're, they go to a drug dealer's yes. house and basically rip off a uh, drug dealer. Molina is it's the Alfred Molina. Yeah. Alfred Molina, who's great too. Yeah, Everybody's and, great. And there's like an Asian guy throwing fireworks. <laughs> it's so which crazy. Adds this intensity because you keep yes. hearing it's like bang, bang. And they're jumping every yeah. single time, and you're jumping every single time. So there's a, a point in time during the scene where Paul Thomas Anderson turns the camera onto Mark Wahlberg yeah. towards the end of it and stays on him for like it feels like a minute. It's probably not that long, and you just see him like looking. I think he's looking at Molina. You never really quite tell, but oh. you think he's looking at Molina and he's just like, you can see he's he's like getting increasingly more stressed. But all you're doing is like looking. See, I thought I took it as looking at, at the Dirt Digger character basically saying, I got out of life. Like, it, I'm yeah, done. Looked, I'm it, out. Right, exactly. This is, this is my bottom. Yes, this exactly. But you don't know, like you, you don't know exactly what he's, he's looking at. You're not I quite sure he was looking, looking at, at nothing. I thought he was just like thinking like he, no, because he keeps his eyes keep going back up to the same point. I think back to Molina. Probably, yeah, and he's that like, makes sense. He's just sort of like this is I gotta get the fuck. But out. you I see in his face, so he's just like he's just like I'm I'm out. Like, yeah, the second if I can survive this, I'm I'm done. He's awesome in that scene. He's great. Yeah, he is. He's great. This whole whole movie, like you totally buy this character, the, the naive. You buy like the ego, like totally. you buy all of it. Yeah. you know, and he's he's really good in this. So good. And do you know? So you probably saw this too, but he was he was not the first choice. I mean, DiCaprio. DiCaprio was. Um, who's, Joaquin who, who, Phoenix was. DiCaprio wanted to do it, but he was uh, had just signed up to do Titanic. I don't think either one of those actors would have done a good. But DiCaprio a good job. was the one who suggested use Wahlberg because they had just yeah. done Basketball Diaries That's together. Right. And he's like, why don't you give give this guy a shot? Yeah, I think I I think it would not. Dicaprio's too good. smart, I think. Exactly, yeah. that's the problem. You you need sort of that naive. He's never look. really played someone who's really naive, right? Dicaprio. Not that I can think of. I mean, Gilbert Grape, he played someone oh, mentally. Yeah, he's got challenged, but uh, he never played never no. played someone who's like naive. No, no, not really. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and then same thing. Um, like Bill Murray, Keitel. Um, Warren Beatty, Sidney Pollock all declined to play Horner too before yeah. they gave um, they gave to Burt Reynolds. Burt they, Reynolds a is, shot. And that's a weird thing. So Burt Reynolds comes and does this movie. Yeah. Okay. And then he he watched the movie and hates it. I saw that. Like he he hated it. 
Like he he was just so appalled by this film, which is that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think about what Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds like thinks like Evening Shade is good quality yeah. entertainment, like that stupid TV show, and he loved like the Smoking and the Bandit. That's right. He Cannibal thinks he thought Don Deluise was the funniest man in the world. Like he's not going to see the humor. Like Burt Reynolds like like broad. Yeah. You know, no subtlety, just like you know that yeah. kind of filmmaking. Which is from a different bygone era. And this was like part of that 90s like renaissance of directors getting power and like that new like independent filmmaking is really starting to take yeah. charge. And Burt Reynolds just didn't didn't get it. And, you know, he obviously is nominated for an Academy Award for it. And, and he was... He, he was mean, great. Go through the list there of people that were nominated. And he... I, I don't think he should have won because this is a no, ridiculously stacked... stacked here. Yeah. Because Robin Williams won, wins for Good Will Hunting. Right. Which, I, in my opinion, he deserved it. He was great. Robert Forster for Jackie Brown, which is one of my favorite characters ever. Yep. Yeah, he's great. I, like those are like two of my favorite supporting actor performances of all time. Right. You know, then you have Anthony Hopkins for Amistad, which I haven't seen. I saw it. So I saw it probably then. Yeah. Uh, Greg Kinnear for as good as it gets. And he's, he's fine. He's actually really good. He's good. He, I he's really good. like that. You probably uh, he, don't like that film as much as I do. I think that's an awesome film. It's, a, it's an okay movie. It's good. It's good. And, yeah. he, and he, he's, he's, good. Great. He's, he's good in it for sure, yeah. but he's not, but he's not that class. No. And then Burt Reynolds, Nights, who's, I, who's the third best performance of that group. Yeah. And he's stacked, you know, com- compared to Forster, he doesn't, doesn't even hold a candle to him, much less Robin Williams. This is a sneaky, do you want to continue to talk about the Oscars a little bit? Because it's a yeah. sneaky good year. So, um, so Boogie Nights is nominated for three. It's nominated. So, uh, so it's, it's more, um, for, um, for supporting actress. Yep. It's Reynolds for supporting actor. Right. And then, and then original screenplay. Right. Right. So makes sense. It didn't, but it does make sense, but it doesn't make sense. It didn't get nominated for more. That's right. So best picture that year, Titanic wins. Yeah. Also nominated as good as it gets the full Monty, which I like the full Monty, but I don't think it belongs in this class. No, it does not belong in this group. Yeah. Uh, good to hunting, which does does. And then LA confidential, which I really love LA confidential too. So it, it it's good. So I went through, I'm like, all right, so 97 in me is one of those years of like, wow, you have this amazing filmmaking, yep. but it's not really represented even in the best picture nominations. So I went through 97 and made kind of my list. Yeah. So here are my top movies in 97 and I'm going to break them into tiers. Uh, so I'm not going to do like a one, two, three. I'm just going to kind of, yeah, that's this fine. is one group. This is, so this is what I call the elite group. Yep. Good Will Hunting, Jackie Brown, Boogie Nights. Yep. Those three movies to me are in the like hyper elite. Yeah. That's my, that's my hyper. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Okay. Then I have the next tier. Or do you want to do your hyper? Really? I would just put LA confidential in there too. My, I love that film. my next year is, um, great, but not hyper great movies. Uh, the game, oh. Donnie Brasco, oh. gross point blank, which we've talked about on this show. Yeah. And contact. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's a lot of great films. In there this, are. In so that's Jesus that next Christ. chunk. Wow. Uh, and then the I game. have a chunk beneath that of these are movies that I call good, not great. Yeah. And wag the dog. Yeah. LA Confidential, Titanic, As Good As It Gets, Men in Black, and The Sweet Hereafter. Um, I forget what that is. That's a, a very small uh, Canadian movie about uh, this town that in the town, um, a school bus has a crash. Yeah. And like a dozen kids die. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And yeah. how the town basically kind of deals with that. Like a lawyer comes in to kind of maybe do like a civil, uh, a giant like class action lawsuit. And then some people in the town are like, Hey, just leave us to our business. And some people in the town want to do the Yeah, lawsuit. We want to grieve. Yeah. But it's not a courtroom drama at all. It's very, it is not a single, um, it's like not even a single scene in the courtroom. Okay. It's simply just about this town and how they kind of react to it. It's very slow and quietly paced, but it's a beautiful film. Yeah. So uh, Sarah Polly, uh, it's very good. Yep. Um, so that's like, but, um, 
you know, think about it. That's what I've mentioned now, like 12 movies that are really, that really are, great. 13 movies here yeah. that are either like good or great. Yeah. And then those three, Good Will Hunting, Jackie Brown, Boogie Nights, those are like three in my top 20. Like those are like, those are some of my favorite films ever. Oh, you know, this 97 year is like peak 96, 97. This is when independent filmmaking really was able to take charge yeah. and you're just able to see some. And then you also have some good blockbusters like Titanic's a good movie. You know, like, you know, think about some of these movies there. You know, the game is a game is really great. A really great, yeah, really, a really good it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, you know, you have some really good stuff in there. It's a pretty stats. Yeah. And I didn't mention that you have in your list. Or um, I didn't, I didn't look through the rest of the list of 97. I can't remember, but, uh, but all those are great. The Titanic. I don't put, but well, I, you haven't seen Titanic. I've seen, no, I've, you're right. I have not seen it in full. I've seen just small parts of it. Yeah. But, but I don't, I, I just, I can't even, I can't believe it. That's in the same, the back half of Titanic. It's when the, it's pretty wild. I mean, it, especially watching it now it's it's sort it's like these effects hold up this is wild yeah it's it's a, just, pretty i mean the first half is corny as hell it is visually like stunning but it's the, the dialogue is really really not good um i have a cameron bias too i really don't like him but that that back well t2 is good t2 T2's is good movie. oh well and i like t i mean i like the terminator uh, terminator yeah, as well. right. yeah we talked about that in the yeah, yeah, as well. yeah uh the first one um Type of this in the podcast rather. Uh, but yeah, but the game, Donnie Brasco, Gross Point Blank, Contact, all that same year. Yeah. No, Contact's a major film. That's I really a very like Contact, good movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Um, yeah, a ton of good stuff. 97 w- was was a pretty cool year for movies for sure. Boogie I Nights, think so. Boogie Nights among the best. Um, one of maybe, you know, one, top five for me, top three, like an ensemble movies. Like, yeah, this, it's a great ensemble movie. It was fun to watch. I haven't seen this movie in a while, actually. I haven't seen this movie in like 10, 12 years. Yeah. It was fun to like hang out with these people again. You know what I mean? It's like, because the cast is so good. You like. They are. And I see you. you and it's not something you, you don't ever see the porn. You don't see porn from this angle normally. You see like, if you watch porn, you watch porn, but you don't see like kind of the disaffect, like the, the film, like sort of the the systematic way that they go about it. Plus all like these, these funky characters outside of, you know, outside of watching the actual, even like pornographic show, you know what I mean? You don't, Guzman, you don't, you don't see it from the, the side. Nightclub. I know. And he he's just wants even, to be in the film. I want to be in the film. And like, but he's like such a great character. And, <laughs> yes. and like, but I forgot, Everybody's how, memorable. I forgot how much this movie didn't have like sex in it. There's really not that much sex. In no, the there isn't. Yeah. You see, and you'll see like a lot of expressions. You won't necessarily see the actual, right. Event. But, but there's really, titties, but there's really but not much sex. No, there is There is. And that's not what this movie is obviously about. It's not about that. It's about decadence and then the kind of like, you know, the fallout from that. Yeah. And potentially, I think there is an angle of like predatory behavior in this movie. And that I think is interesting to look at. I didn't feel, I didn't feel the same way. Because, and I also think because, because the, he, because Anderson went so far as to show us the predator, the Colonel, like in yes. and kind of the fallout from right. that. So I don't know that he, he would have meant to make uh Reynolds character. Is Amber waves a predator. Or is she just I don't know. Like, well, I just selfish. I think she is like the like the like the the I don't know how to describe this, but it, like there's the like the hyper mom that go like the like the worst part of 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 needy mom. Is that a predator? Maybe. I mean, it's a it's a you know it's a sociopath maybe or narcissist. He I don't know. At, he goes out of his way to show that uh, that scene in in the courthouse or that room. Yeah. I guess. 
to show how shitty she is. She's really shitty. That's, that's I agree. That's done. And like he and he has the kid call the house and uh you know like you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, he I goes know. out of his way to kind of show that she's a shitty person. Yeah, he calls a house, they can't find her, and yeah. she's like passed out right. with drugs. Yeah, exactly. I think so maybe that's what she he's trying to up. do. She looks up and she's got, you know, fucking coke all yeah. over her face. Maybe that's what they were he was trying to do is show the dichotomy. Like there was the, the difference between her as a predator and Horner as like you could kind of go either way. In in sort of that role in um in the porn industry, so I felt like Horner wasn't, but but she, she is. I watching the movie and the way the movie concludes, I feel that Paul Thomas Anderson would agree with you. He seems to have a soft spot for Jack Horner. He does, yeah, because he really shows him in a, in a positive light, even even at the end of the movie. He's really restrained too with Dirk Diggler. I just think there's like a darkness there i'm like i don't know man. well he's real he's realist too, but, imagine, he, but he's also creative like he wants, to, he wants to make a good film though i mean obviously we're not in this industry so yeah it's hard yeah. even like but, maybe we should get in i don't what do you think uh, i'm good all right so can you imagine though like going to like a, a nightclub or a restaurant or something and like going into the kitchen and like get talking to the 17 year old like even that yeah even if it was for a legitimate job it's well he didn't kinda, know he was 17 weird. yet he finds out he doesn't, doesn't know, walk I know, away i know he knows the kid's young. He knows. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess in the seventies it was pro- it was more okay um, then. But I think you're right. But I still think it's weird. Now it's and weird. Even in the nineties, it's probably more okay because I don't I don't remember a big blowback from if they if this movie came out today that scene you would have been like what the fuck. So we're gonna talk about Candle in the Wind after. And do you know the relationship between Di and Prince Charles? Charles like knew Diana when she was 16 years old. Yeah, he dated his old, her older sister. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, this is definitely more accepted then, I guess. Yeah, I think age definitely was, because even look at some movies that came out, like, uh, was it Blue Lagoon with, uh, was that Brooke Shields? Oh, she's she young very too. Young. And like then there's 15? a Phoebe Cates movie where she's on an island and she's super young. It's mm. just like, there's just a lot, there was a lot of like young I think people got weird with that. Like the I think age so too. thing, I mean, maybe because it was some foreign sensibility from like some of those directors from, I, I, Could be, but but also if you think about like um, you know earlier, even in the 20th century, um, a lot of times the male would like try to establish themselves in business before they would go to start a family because they right. wanted to make sure yeah. that right. So you would see older dudes but, and younger women. But you don't. See, but you start in filmmaking though, in show yeah, business, I know. more and more in this time. It's it late was, 70s, it early 80s. Things got weird. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Things got weird. Um, it didn't creep me out. And maybe actually I could be, I could be sexist here. Maybe it didn't creep me out as much because he's a dude. If I it was a, I, that's I, probably part I of it. Made a big, but Ooh. you also had the roller girl though. Is the, it was, but we the roller girl is the female version of Dirk Diggler. But they didn't confirm her age. I they know she's in, high, in school, high school for a reason, but she could have been 18. I know. I know. I know. I know. But I know. But they, but it, You're right. Somewhat irrelevant. Like still this young kid. Like, yeah. Walks out on a test. Then to go do movies where she's fucking got it's, it's, I, I agree. I agree. They, there's a, they make it murkier for her though. Um, so you can kind of accept it more or Anderson. I guess, does. but uh, you're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah. There, Anderson seemed to know there's something wrong with this. Cause he does show, you know, does show her in high school for a reason. Yeah. There, there's this stuff there that's, uh, troubling. And, and obviously then you see the a complete fall, you know, their fall and, yeah. and that's, that's rough too, but they do show her at the end of the movie going to get her GED though. They do. But I don't like that. She stood up to that guy. I mean, that, that well, that whole scene was really fucked up. That was with, troubling, with, yeah. ex, you know, 
with someone she and, knew from high school. And, and actually, Horner's there, too, kind of exploiting it, and that, that was all fucked up. It's really weird. It's really, really gross weird. and grimy. I mean, it's supposed to feel gross and, and then I don't, I don't really like that she fucking kicked him in the face with, a roller, with the roller skates, no. either. I mean, C- Jesus. Curve stopping, I basically. Jesus yeah. Christ. That whole thing was really troubling. Uh, all around. Around with the Boogie Nights, a fantastic movie. <laughs> it is a great film. Uh, Won't crock my top five, but you're, it will crack it yours. It is. It's my, 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 number five. Number five. It sucks. I feel so bad now that the Ghostbusters is so low on my list now. It's number 10, and I hate it. I hate that that's that low at this point. I love that film. It's a great movie. Yeah. All right. Um, shall we move on then, I guess? Sure. All right. Handle in the wind. I don't really want to spend too much time listening to it, but um, so I, my overall theme is that I hate that this happened. Hate what happened? I'm going to say, I hate that this happened, but I think it's, it's done about as good as you possibly could do it. I hate the fact that Elton John took a song that he wrote for Marilyn Monroe, had Bernie Toppin rewrite the words to make it a tribute to Princess Diana after her death. I hate that that happened. It, it's now it's a parody song for me. That's what it feels like. Yeah. So with that part I hate, but I think if you're going to do that, he did it about as well as you possibly could. He only played it live once at her funeral. All proceeds. I mean, this isn't verified. They say, and there's actually, I have some questions on the back end of this, but all proceeds were supposed to go to, um, even like songwriters credit, all that stuff, was, uh, all the proceeds from that were supposed to go to her charities. Um, so he took no money from it. And like I said, he only performed it once. Even in concert, he'll play Candle in the Wind, the original version for Marilyn Monroe, but he won't play. Even And he keeps getting asked, like even on uh, anniversaries of Lady Di's death, he's asked to play it and he won't do it. So you've done it. He's done it about as good as it can be, but I hate the fact that it was done. Does that sort of make sense? It does. I wonder though, when he did that, so he, you know, he's writing the song, he's writing a song for, to perform at her, at her funeral. And is he, did he ever think, it would get played. You know what I mean? Did he know this would become a big deal? Maybe he thought it was, this is just me played once, you know, like I know he's, he's a smart a- guy though. And he's seen all, you know, he's got a lot of number one hits in his life. So you have yeah. to think plus, you know, that co- coupled with this tragedy of this, you know, really beloved figure. Yeah. Um, particularly in Britain, but even in America, she's sort of a beloved figure, kind of a mother Teresa, even though I'm not a big mother Teresa sucks by the way. But, uh, but, <sighs> but, okay. But uh, no, it's fine. I'm not, but I'm not, no, but it kind of she's kind of held in that same esteem. It's I, I wouldn't say that. I Maybe not, not quite as high, but but close. I mean, she's held in an interesting esteem. I, mean, I think she's, she's, a, she's beloved. A, a huge celebrity. I, beloved by who? I don't know anyone that beloved. Well, her. not anymore. I mean, this is twenty three years past I don't know her death. Really loved her. I mean, you know, I guess you have people that are you know, these like royalty people. Like, that's their exactly. hobby, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know many people. But she transcended. But she was a that. huge star. I mean, she was. Yeah. I remember. I remember where I was the night she died. I don't remember where I was. I, remember, I, remember, I, I do remember. I was watching TV and they break in. Yeah. Saying it's a car accident. And you're like, oh my God. So you're watching it. And then they announced on TV that she was paralyzed. She would survive, but she was going to be paralyzed. Oh, wow. And then like a half an hour later, they're like, oh no, she's dead. Yeah. And uh, no, I mean, when this broke, they broke in, they broke out of, obviously, you know, ABC News Whatever special report. Yeah. And that was, that was it. Like yeah. that was like wall to wall coverage from that until they announced that she had passed away. And I remember, yeah, I remember just scooting my couch because yeah. like, are you fucking kidding? This is crazy. I mean, but she was like, you know, she married Prince Charles at 81. So I'm born in 79. You know, you're born. Yeah. So, so, pr- so pretty early. Our yeah. entire childhood, she was one of the most famous people in the world. I, think I mean, so, yeah. you heard about her all the time. Yeah. 
So as you said before, um, Charles dated her older sister and, you know, but became infatuated with her. Charles is 13 years her senior. That's was, a big difference. It is a big difference, particularly when you're when you know, you 16, young. 17, yeah. 18 years old. They start courting. I can't remember. She's 18 or 19 and she gets married. I think uh, they get married when she's like 20. And she, she, yeah. she really rejected that lifestyle and there was a lot of infidelity. It sounds like from both parties, but sounds like from Charles kind of first, which is really shitty. But even they get, so, you know, she gets married. Yeah. She's this young person. And this is, this is once again, we talk about on show all the time, how fame makes you insane. Yep. She, I'm sure she had some underlying mental illness anyway, but she's pregnant 12 weeks into her pregnancy. She throws herself down a flight of stairs. Oh, I forgot about that. Like that's that's fucked up. What you know? But you but you know you say that. But imagine being like twenty one though. We can't imagine it becoming one of the most famous people in the world overnight. And then now you're. It, and she said she did it out of because of feelings of inadequacy. But I I just that's just like it's fucked up. She was also kind of groomed though, if you think about it, because she was like she's royal blood, whatever. So she was you know and she's she didn't go to she was uh, she was tutored at home. She was homeschooled. You know, she lived a very kind of insular yeah. life. And then suddenly you are thrust into the world spotlight yes. as, you know, heir to um, heir to the throne of fucking of, of England and one of the like wealthiest families alive, like billionaire. And you become so famous. So like you're famous. one of the most famous people in the world star. overnight. Yeah, overnight. Um, and she's pretty and like, you know, pretty well spoken. And you can tell why she becomes this media darling. And she's kind of... You know, she's kind of naive at that time, too. I feel like she's kind of a fighter, though. She sort of grows into it. Uh, particularly, she gets really protective about her kids. She gives them, like, way more of life experience than normally you would get in and more than she got growing up. I think she ter- turned the, you know, took the lessons that she had from growing up very insular lives, um, you know, giving them education outside of just England and showing them the world and whatever. And I, and I think, I mean, I don't know them or uh, as people, right? I don't know how they are as people, but at least they, they've sort of rejected the throne too. Both they of seem them. as, I guess, as well adjusted as, as you, you possibly could, could be, be in yeah, that world. As an inbred, you know. Interesting. Like a- <laughs> well, yes. So uh, I guess this is interesting. Okay. So I guess the, that summer, because she died the last day of August of yeah. 97. Right. So that summer, she wanted to spend that entire summer uh, on Long Island in the Hamptons. Oh, really? And Royal Security said No. They said, we really can't keep an eye. It's just too open there. It's just not. We can't protect you. We can't protect you. So she's like, all right, well, what if I, Dodie fired, who's the guy she's dating at the time who died in that accident. What if we are on his boat for this summer? And then we kind of maybe stay at the palace. And they're like, that's fine because his palace is super well. Yeah. And I guess the boat is also had, you know, was easy to secure this yacht. Of course. Okay. So they're like, that's fine. But had the security said, yes, she'd still be alive. She probably would be. You know, potentially, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, you're like, Oh my God, like that, that one, uh, one rejection, you know, changed the course of history. But I don't know. So they were in Paris, right? And they were, uh, I'm not sure. Yep. I know they were on this yacht and then they were in Paris and yep. then they're just getting chased by the paparazzi. It's, 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 it's I see, I, I, I reject that. You reject that. I do. So you, here's what happened in my opinion. Here's what I think happened with that. Yeah. So, um, and here, and, and it kind of got, got this guy off the, off the hook here. The so, driver. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to, um, they're in Paris yep. and they're at this hotel um, and they're all kind of like hanging out or something. And then, then they went, 
Didn't they, I forget where they were going. They were going to get somebody. I don't somebody know, but they were going, it was somebody, they, 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 the accident happened only five minutes from the hotel. Mm. And they get in, and this guy is Henry Paul, who is the director of security for the Ritz. So he was not hired by Princess Di or right. Dodo. Like, he wasn't like their driver. They had their bodyguard with them, who was the only person to survive. That Trevor Reese yeah. Jones guy. He's still alive. Yeah. He said he can't remember the accident. But um, no one was wearing a seatbelt, which whatever. So the guy, the Henry Paul guy's driving, and he's going 60 and a 30, basically. I know. And he's never, this isn't someone who's used to avoiding the paparazzi, because he's like, he works for the hotel. He's well, a regular I, guy. Well, it's the Ritz-Carlton, though. They probably get celebrities all you, the time. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, how often is it, like, Princess Die level, though? I, yeah. I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't but know. then, like, he's also on all these drugs. And, is he? And he's uh, got booze in his system, I believe. Fucking. Like, he, and so a year and a half later, they had, like, a whole inquest. And uh, the court did find him guilt. Like, he's, the, he's responsible really? for the accident. Was this Henry Paul guy. Not the paparazzi. Paparazzi was chasing them, but... I mean, there's, it sounded like this guy just like went, you know, went maybe he did, went yeah. action hero on this, and then he, you know, he's going sixty and a thirty in a tunnel that has all these like posts. Yeah, like what are you doing, dude? Stupid. And I guess he, you know, they might have tried to cut somebody off, and that's when they lost control of the car. Yeah. So the guy's driving like a maniac, cuts off a regular guy who's also just trying to drive, right? And then ends up losing control and then drives into this post in this tunnel. He sounds like a maniac. This, yeah, maybe this he Henry was. Paul guy. Maybe he was. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. What are you doing, dude? Yeah. But yet. In my memory, it's the paparazzi. Because that's what, well, that's what they, <laughs> but that was the original story they sold. So when it happens, like like a week after it happened, they're like, oh, the paparazzi, because plus it's like this nameless, faceless yeah. group you can yeah, blame, yeah, yeah, yeah. who no one likes anyway. Right, but this poor guy's got a family. That was the, um, uh, that was like the uh, directive that I think the royal, the royalty wanted to push too. So everyone pushed this idea that they they were the bad guys when that's not really what happened here. Well, and it also helps them out, right? Particularly around when they want you know less, maybe less coverage around their funeral. Or exactly. Whatever. Yeah. And it made yeah. everyone villainize people who the royal who the royal family hates anyway. So that to turns me, out reporters are villains though. Anyway, so I, you know that's fine. But it, but the royal or whatever the media can be good, can be bad. Yeah, that's complicated. But um. <laughs> But the, you know, paparazzi chasing celebrities, that's pretty lame and shitty. I totally agree. Yeah. But you could tell that yeah, the yeah. royal family had something. They wanted to take a dump on the, the paparazzi. They did. Because they were mad about the Camilla Parker Bowl Of course stuff. they were, yeah. They were mad about Oh, yeah, because they just released, like, phone calls yeah. of Camilla and, and Charles wanted, and some other they, people. Yeah. The royal family wanted to do a big fuck you to the media, and this is how they did it, by pushing this narrative that's not really the true story. Yeah. So bringing it back to Elton John, they're friends. Elton John and uh, Princess Diana are friends. Even though John's like 10 years older, um, there's like a famous- Even more than that. I, no, I think it's about, that's about the same. I think that, yeah, she would be like 60 something now. He's like 70 something. It's about 10 years. Is it? Yeah. Um, Elton John, yeah. Yeah, about 10 years old. That, that doesn't matter. Okay. So Elton John, so there's this like famous, some famous photographs of her consoling him at, um, at Versace's funeral like a few years before. They were friends. So he was really broken up. And apparently, um, it was Richard Branson. He was talking to Richard Branson, who's a you know the famous uh, entrepreneur. And Branson's like, "Hey, do you know in the like in the 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 um, whatever bereavement book at Westminster Abbey where her I think maybe her coffin was I don't know or at least that's where the funeral stuff was or not. Um, they're quoting Candle in the Wind. Ever think about like rewriting these words? Huh. So that's what that's how we get that's, that's what Elton says. And Elton said that he thinks he thought at the time." That Branson had spoken with the, with her family, and mm. they had like mentioned maybe, hey, you know, she she was such a big fan of Elton, and they were they were friends. Maybe he could do something, and so this is what he chose to do. Now, I get that like this had to happen kind of fast, and I get that you know that he's 
it's hard. It would be very hard to write a song that would hold up to that moment. If you're going to perform at her funeral, that would be really hard to do. I get that. But I think that's what you have to do. You got to write something. You have to write something for, like specifically for. You can't just fucking change, particularly when you're talking, you know, the, the original the original song, Kindle in the Wind, is about this tragic story, you know, yes, uh, this tragic character, else. Marilyn yeah. Monroe. And now I feel like it's totally tarnished um, what that song means now because you can't, you don't really associate it as much to Marilyn Monroe. You, you, you way more associate it with Lady Di because this thing becomes the largest selling single in the fucking history of the fucking world, of the universe. This this fucking candle in the wind, nineteen ninety seven, sells thirty some odd million copies. See, I still think of Marilyn Monroe though. No, it's, I think it maybe because we're a little older. But no, it, no, I still think of it, and I forget. I forgot the the uh, Marilyn Monroe version. I remember oh, this really? version. See, yeah, I, I'm, I'm and the so because I was I listened to both today, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god, the Marilyn Monroe version. It's better. Oh, number much one. better. It's way better. It's yes. orchestrated better. It's a cooler song. Yeah. I forgot better lyrics too. Yeah, and better lyrics. The way it's structured. Gee, yeah. That's why it's like a fucking parody song. I, I, oh. I, I if I, so I'm like 85, 15, like 80, whenever I hear like the beginning notes, I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm 85% Marilyn. Like I just think yeah. of Marilyn first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of this, this is very much an afterthought for me, but, um, but just in the world, it's not. I mean, well, I mean, when it came, well, I mean, that year came out. I mean, like I said, I mean, it was the biggest single. It's like one of the biggest singles it ever, was, right? Yeah, it was even, number one. Even now. It was number one. Right. No, it is. Yeah. It still is. Um, so there, there's some question, maybe White Christmas might have sold mm. more copies, but that was before they started but really keeping track. talking about. Yeah, and it was before like Billboard was keeping yeah. track. So maybe they're saying maybe that's 50 million where this one's 30 million and that's really stood the test of time too. But this, this is still so... 14 number 14 on the chart uh sorry number one on the chart for 14 weeks it hit number one on pretty much every country on the planet like you look at the list yeah not every but it's like but yeah 40 fucking right. countries that it's that it hit number one on in multiple charts it 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 was number one the for the year chart in 1997 number eight in the year chart 1998 that's how big this wow, fucking thing is that's crazy it is this is a Especially monster when you consider that lady died she died in august yeah it wasn't like she died in december no 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 right this thing is a monster and we're in november right now right and we're talking about um you know this diana died in, in, in august. august this song was performed in early september but if you think about it that it was number one in 97 right so that's how so in the three month span yeah. it sold it outsold everything else that's, like that's yeah right it's crazy. crazy yeah um, it's just such a huge hit that you saw this single. I remember you'd see this, like even like supermarkets or, um, convenience stores would have this single for sale. It wasn't, you could, you could buy this single at not just record stores, right? You could go into like grocery uh, stores, Walmart yeah, or whatever. Cumberland Farms, it. They would have a little display of it and having this tape, the tape single, not the CD single, but the tape single was available everywhere. The other problem I had is the lyrics are similar enough. Like this, this uh, yeah, is, I, see, I, as a parody songwriter, I know these tricks. Like I know what you do. You use the same kind of vocal gate. So the syllables are very similar. The inflection points are very similar. And you just, you know, pick words that rhyme or pick, you know, pick uh, sentences that have the same structure and, and you put it together. This probably took Bernie Top in like 20 minutes. Um, there's it's like the, the goodbye Norma Jean, right? You had the grace to hold yourself is, is Norma Jean. 97 is you were the grace that placed itself. I mean, this so or um, and they made you change your name for the Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, and the stars spelled out your name on the fucking. I mean, over and over you see this in this fucking song, and it's kind of ridiculous because like the stars didn't spell out like no, it's not that no. doesn't really make any sense. No, if you not, and the, he uses the word England twice to start a sentence too. He and, does, and, yeah, like yeah. I was listening to, it, I was like, I was like, like this fucking, isn't that well written. <laughs> 
So it really bothers me. Yeah. Um, and as w- the other thing too is I like I. This is a good song. Like this is a good song. The original one is a good song on a another, on a monster album. That's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. That yes. album that it's yes. on in 1973 that had Benny and the Jets. Incredible album. Fucking um, had a friend Goodbye for, Yellow Brick friend Road for a funeral, right? In that one. Yep, that's right. Uh, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Yep. Um, Candle in the Wind. Benny and the Jets. Yeah, I said. Like, it's just a great his biggest Iconic. song. Album. Uh, yeah, if you ever seen the album cover, it's yep. him. Yep. drawing of him. It's famous. And I and I so I like um like the these two out. There's one. What it's not it's not Honky Cat, but it's like Honky something. Whatever that that album is, the one that happened right before into Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I like this time period. Elton John a lot. Early seventies. Elton John's great. Yeah, really good. Um, so it's just it's kind of like a fuck you to that. But as I said, if you're going to do it, at least he only performed it once. At least all the proceeds go to charity. At least, you know, which favorite Elton John song? Do you have one? Oh, I put in a fucking list here. One of my favorites. Yeah. One of my favorites is this. Right. My favorite one. I love it. My favorite Elton John song. One of my favorite songs ever. Yeah. Great choice. Such a great song. It's incredible. That is my favorite Elton John song. This is my my favorite songs ever. It's a beautiful song. Such a great song. Mona Lisa and Black Hatters. uh, Uh, Mad Hatters. Mad Hatters, sorry. And then there's... Not that one. Fucking... Oh, I didn't get it. I'll I'll tell you what my... um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I wrote down because I, I was looking through and I'm like, remember we talked about Elton John versus uh, Billy Joel, Billy Joel yeah. of course, and like, and I sort of was surprised at how many songs of Billy Joel I really liked. I was, it was easy for me to find like a top fi- Mona Lisa uh, and Mad Hatters, Honky Cat. I love Burn Down the Mission. Your song is beautiful. Your song's beautiful. Daniel is beautiful. Daniel's a great song. Uh, sad songs say so much. Even from the '80s, really love that song. Leave on beautiful song. Philadelphia Freedom, great song. Yellow Brick Road, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Awesome song. Rocket Man, overplayed. Awesome song. Tiny Dancer, beautiful song. So many. Yeah, that's, that's a good list. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's like 15 songs. Pretty much, pretty much mine too. Yeah. yeah. Are there any others that I missed? Um, I'm sure, but that's, a, that's yeah. a pretty solid list. He, I mean, he has a ton of really great songs. He probably has 20 that I like, I would say as well. Like his best of would would stand up against you know Billy Joel's best of or a lot of a yeah lot of I, I mean I yeah. like Billy Joel more but I can but I mean that's a fine I mean I, I, if someone said they like Elton John more but I I, you, you, I, I yeah. totally get it right but um, na- but mm, I mean not some you know he doesn't really do much anymore he hasn't done anything since the well he he really fell off I mean after even the eighty stuff is rough yeah it's not I, I don't like I don't like nineteen eighties Elton John no it's just, it's, there's there's a few well, once Bernie Toppin leaves it's, yeah it's over it does, it does in my work. opinion I, I just, he, he just it doesn't work. Uh, Mona Lisa's and Matt Hatter's is such a great song. Is, is better than any Billy Joel song. I that's tough. There's a few. That's like one of my favorite Billy, songs. It's a great ever song. made. Yeah. Full stop. Like that is that is a great song. Uh, it, it is a great one. Elton John's great. I, I um yeah. I just don't like anything he did after 1980. Yeah. But. I get it. That's it for uh, for, uh, for what I got for um okay for the song. So where were you? Um, I was preparing to go to England with uh, John Herman. We were going to go in December. So I was getting ready to do that. We spent um, in uh, late December, early January, we spent uh, two weeks um, backpacking across moon, s- monsoon-drenched southern England. Um, and it was a great experience. So I was preparing for that right about this time. Okay, so you went, you went in like September to, on a... I'm sorry, November. So you went in December. I right? went in December. Yeah. So we were we were preparing. Like I think now I was getting my uh, my passport. Okay. And like just getting ready for that trip. All right. Yeah. Um, second I, year of college. 
second year of college. Right. And this is during the, this is part of those lost years I talk about after yeah. high school uh, until, you know, the, you know, we figure like July 97 to, you know, December of yep. uh, 99 were the lost years for me. And so I just thought kind of explain what, what I was typically do on like a regular day uh, in November of 97. And uh, we go to my friend, my friend Peter and my friend Simpy. Um, <laughs> they had a house in Dover, uh, probably about Pete um, and Simpy. It's a cartoon. Peter and Simpy. Yeah. Uh, they had a house in Dover. They rented uh, the top four of this house. Um, it was probably, you know, where Cleary Cleaners is in yep. Dover. It's, um, you know, between, you know, between, so Cleary Cleaners is a laundromat in Dover. And then on the, uh, about where the strip mall is about a quarter mile like away. Behind it with yeah. like a pizza place at that one. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just know where it's good. All right, okay. All right. So you have Cleary Cleaners on one side and then for anybody that doesn't know Dover, New Hampshire, about a quarter mile away is the downtown area. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So their house is kind of in the middle of that between the cleaners. I see. So they're about, you know, you figure about, you know, eighth of a mile from downtown. I was getting specific because there's multiple clearies in, in Dover. It's okay. Okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, and that's why I, I moved along because it was not that important. <laughs> well, and kind of boring. It's important to me. I want to know where we were. I was yeah, putting okay. myself there. I'm at I'm at Pete and Simpy's. Okay. So <laughs> uh so uh they had the upstairs uh, of this older house and a family lived in the, in the bottom. And the you house. just, yeah, you described that place before the family was pissed. Yeah. The family was not happy. <laughs> right. Like they, they, they never really protested too, too much. They did every once in a while, but not very often we would. So during the week, Monday through say Thursday, I would go over there after my shift to McDonald's and we would play like, uh, either, uh, Mario Kart on Nintendo 64. Yep. Or we played golden eye. Um, it was me and a couple other people, my friend, uh, Brian, who you, you met, he's my best man at a wedding. Yeah. There's a few of us that, so basically, like, you know, you'd have anywhere between like four and eight guys there, all playing either GoldenEye or Super Mario Kart. And then we'd stop everything at 11 o'clock uh, because that's when the Magic Hour came on. And that was Magic Johnson had a late night talk show <laughs> called the Magic Hour. And it was the worst thing ever. And we would just sit there and just like shit of on it. Of course, it was the worst thing ever. It was unbelievable. He bad. can't host a show. Oh, it was insane. And I guess he's not a smart guy. He, he can't host a show. It's not only that, but he did also did, didn't give a shit about Like, if you read about, I'm a huge late night TV talk show. Yeah. Like, I, I'm obsessed with that world. So I think this thing is funny. So, um, Letterman, you read about these guys, they would go into the office at like 9 a.m. and just like, work like maniacs what, and would they actually well, they would tape around 5 p.m oh, okay, okay, but, okay. but they but a lot of men would go in like even earlier than that and just like you know whatever it took like he would help with the writing process he would basically do anything he could to help make the show better like these guys these guys were animals they lived and died for the show magic would like if they had tape it was at five or six he'd roll in at like 4 45 just enough time to like but he had nothing to do with the writing like he would just, he just came on and treated it like doing it like a like like any show like, yeah but you can't do doesn't work that was way was he reading cue cards and stuff or what did he do all do like, of course happened. he was but like he yeah. also wasn't like it was all like inorganic like it was all just it was just and it was just terrible like he wasn't prepared for it he couldn't like have like a conversation like he's not trained to no. like have that give and take with the with the uh whoever his guest is and um he had on a sidekick uh craig shoemaker and um he was like the ed mcmahon of the show but he was a comedian and he was trained and you could see how angry he would get oh because magic had no like it was just it was just fantastic it, it would was, have been better if he lit into i'm sure that never happened but if he lit into magic no it never happened he just kind of would sit there and just like kind of f- like just boil it was it, and then as the show got worse and worse and then the ratings got worse and worse the guests became worse and worse of so course eventually you <laughs> had a lot of people like you never even really heard of it was just it was just a phenomenal so we'd watch it every night and just shit on it this is also like when south park started yeah and um and and so we kind of watched that first season of that and it was like new and innovative at its time and everything. So we were just and uh, my buddy uh, Simpy and Pete 
Simpy was in charge of the music, but he would only play two CDs. I swear to God. <laughs> this guy's name is Simpy. Simpy. He had two CDs you play. Oh. It was um, the first Sublime, 40 Ounces to Freedom. Or if yep. he got tired of that, he would put on Marcy Playground. Perfect. This Sex is, and this, Candy. This is perfect for that's, Simpy. But that's all he would play. No, I, it, it makes sense. So, But it does. But dude, like after months, like if, if you put on that CD now, either CDs, I'd be like, please shut off. Like I, I can't do it anymore. You know how we don't like to have guests on the show unless they have like a bigger reach than us. Yes. I would definitely have Simpy on the yeah, show. Simpy goes far away now. So he doesn't. Re- it, it, yeah. it, Okay. He's, he's not. Do you he, still talk to him? Not really. We're like, no. Can we call him up? No. Okay. Uh, so uh, you just like his name. You don't really like anything else about him, but no. But I know. I, I know CD who this thing? guy is. I know who this guy yeah. is now. Um, you don't. You never met him. Pretty much. Really no. But pretty much is, everything I need to know about. Okay. Yeah. That's a bad, But he. Uh, you know. Everyone. You know. Did a lot of. Did, did you know? Smoke pot. I see. Did a lot of drugs. But everyone was. I didn't. I didn't. No. Um. And my other friend really didn't as much. But um. The. Uh, these two, you know, anyone that kind of came over kind of did, it kind of became that kind of house. Yeah. But then during the weekends, we, there'd be crazy part. Like it was just what, like every, cause they were one of the first people in our friend group to have their own place. And it wasn't on campus. So you'd even have like UNH people who are friends of ours right. come by. Uh, and everyone's just like smoking pot, drinking like crazy. People were like storming around. And meanwhile, this family goes underneath this house and they, they you know, it was just, they must've been in so much regret. And I think I told the story on air, but in you case did. you missed it, but like yeah. I, I, one time I went to the house by myself and I was just playing a baseball simulator and I heard someone like sneeze downstairs and you're like, Oh my God, these people can hear every, <laughs> if we can hear if I can hear them sneeze, they can hear everything going on upstairs. And it was madness. Like there yeah. would be like 30, 40 people. And then there was, they, so Simpy and Pete had the, the whole second floor, but there was also a third floor attic. Jesus Christ. And that's where like the real, like shit would happen like the really <laughs> like the real drugs or or do you ever was, go up there oh i went up there all the time oh, okay but um that's where people also would like have sex so you, like, but there's no bed or anything up there oh. so people then would like come down on the floor oh, oh and it was the well, dirty old attic wife? dude it was so gross i never <laughs> did it up there but like people would come down and you know some guy comes out of the, you know you know cock of the walk he's got a huge grin on his face and the girl like comes down she's like oh uh, just oh. like oh uh, just like you know but it was just like it was just a mess up there it was yeah uh, when I think of like the debauchery that happened in that place, it was just like, it was just, it was just constantly just in just bizarre behavior. Like one time, um, this one girl and this guy's like, Oh, we want to go take a bath. And we want to go take a bath. Yeah, They're high as shit. So then, uh, we had the idea to make the bath. Like, so then we, we went in there, we put like high C and uh, anything different colors we could do to make the water different colors. And they didn't care. They were in the bath. They didn't care. <laughs> it was, it was just cause everyone was just like fucking hot. Like people were like yeah. tripping on shit. And like, it was just, yeah, it was just bizarre. The one time we played hide and go seeks, so we're all running around. Hide, it's an apartment. It was not hide and go seek. People were like hiding under beds, people were hiding in closets. And like, but like, but we're all like running around full sprinting around this house playing hide and go seek. And people down, you like, guys what are the, the worst fuck? fucking neighbors ever i mean i wasn't i wasn't oh no you were there, there no no you, you take some you take some culpability oh there. i do because yeah. i was there five six nights a week so i was there all the time even i wasn't paying rent <laughs> but i was there simpy. all the time i go there after work at mcdonald's so i worked I, my typical shift was like 11 30 to 7 so i'd roll in at 7 30 and i'd be there to like three in the morning I, or two in the morning i'd then drive home and you know rinse wash and repeat do the same thing the next day you realize simpy is like the arch nemesis of this family downstairs like they curse his name and uh, uh probably pete peter see simpy wasn't allowed like Pete and I would be loud. We'd be like just screaming. Oh, we used to, oh this is terrible. <laughs> One game we'd play is we'd, uh, we'd get a yellow phone book out and we would, um, the game was you had to stay on the, you had to make a crank call. 
but you had to stay on the phone with them as long as possible. So we would do different things. We would pretend to be old, long lost relatives. We would pretend to be radio hosts and they had to answer 20 of trivia questions to win. <laughs> but you make the answers, you make the questions really easy the first like Yes, and they get harder and harder. So I mean, the people would then give up because like, they would just yeah. hang up because it's ridiculous. Yeah. Or they were bored, they would just play along. Keep and, going. But then obviously 20th question is impossible and you don't get it. And you're like, oh, sorry, you lose. You know, but like, <laughs> you know, you do anything you could to get them on the phone the longest. Um, and, and that was a game we played. We were just bored 18 year olds that probably had no business being in a house by ourselves. We would, we, no. you know, we'd call, get pizzas delivered to people we didn't like, uh. that whole thing. And, you know, like, or just anything we could do to just entertain ourselves. We, because most of the time, the Friday, the, the Friday nights, Saturday nights were always big, giant parties. It was crazy. But the rest of the time was just like these like four to eight guys yeah. who weren't, none of us were in college. We we're all just kind of like wasting like our time, I guess, and just being just idiots. Yep. And doing stupid shit. With your buddy, Simpy. Simpy and, yeah, and Pete. Pete was, I, I Pete was more Pete. my friend. Pete, Pete really liked Simpy. Uh, Simpy's okay. But Pete was was my friend. Yeah, like that's and then, but you know, Simpy's fine. Well, Simpy, if you're listening to this, please reach out on Facebook. We'd like to have you on the show, uh, and we'll. You we'll, just like his name. I just know that I I have a pretty clear picture of what this motherfucker's like. But if I ever hear Forty Ounces of Freedom or that Marcy Playground <laughs> CD, I I'll just you like just, I'll start to right twitch. I'll be like, yeah. I'm good. I I've heard enough <laughs> of that this to it, last a it. lifetime. All right, should we move on to headlines? Sure. You got them. I do. Yeah, because I don't. I do have them. Let me. While you're looking for that, I do want to say, hey, listen, um. Where, uh, you, you, if you don't follow us on, can you, or you don't, yeah, if you don't follow what? us on Twitter, fucking follow us on Twitter. Like, fucking, you know, give us good reviews. We got assholes that listen to the show who say that they're fans who give us three stars. So if you guys could just, like, <laughs> counteract that with, like, 10, 5, we really need to stay over four stars. We got really fucked over by the Lamley a <laughs> long time ago. No, five star reviews always help. And then, uh, and follow and us on please follow us on Twitter. Not, yeah. Okay, I, I really think, like, people do. No, people do, totally. But just in case people you don't, given us many five stars. I know, and thank you, thank we you. We appreciate that. Great fans. But like, but hold on. But like, uh, like we can we can really tell our our um our like our our listener count keeps going up, which is awesome. But in order to get us to the next level, we really sh- you know you, more people that follow us on Twitter, the easier it is for us to like get downloads and shit. So, we're, so we're if you don't, a, please we're, do. We're in a weird, we're this weird like middle ground. Yeah, we're in like purgatory podcast, like where we have a very our our, our fans are wildly you get, loyal, it's incredibly awesome. yeah. you know, like this great. But um, but we're not at that bridge yet where you can have like national sponsors. Yeah, it's like, like, you we're, know, like we're yeah. It's, but we're in this weird thing where we get some sponsors, but yeah. then not. It's a weird spot we're in. Yeah, it's odd. And we're cl- like it. We're close. We're close it to breaking it, through, but, yet, but yeah, yeah, we're not there yet. Not there yet. So yes. uh, if you don't follow us or whatever, you know, give it five stars. Follow us on Twitter. Thank you. Uh, tell, you okay. tell your friend. Tell your friends. Yes, tell your friends. People, people do though. It's great. They it's do. Very yeah. Helpful. yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Okay, so this is November 3rd through 9th, 97. Yep. Die. Your your favorite thing in the world? Milk Uh, Dully. I'm so thankful that he's a fan. Milk Dully. (laughs) All right. uh, Early and late week storms delivered cool, unsettled weather to the eastern half of the U.S. Northern Virginia saw four inches of rain that week. Wow. That's a lot. Um, Burbank, California had a daily record high of 102 degrees. Okay. That's pretty hot. In Mm. November? Mm. 102 degrees in November. I mean, I've been there, so I know, you know, it's hot there. You know who uh, worked out of Burbank? And Jenny Carson. Oh, did he? He didn't know it's hot. 102 degrees. Can you believe this? And uh, Ed, this is warm. This is warm weather. That's probably how he started the show that. Probably, yeah. Um, They probably had AC in there. It probably wasn't warm. 
Yeah, nice and cool. Do you think he lived there? No, he probably lived in like Mal- <laughs> fucking Malibu. No, I don't think he did. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, Rudy Giuliani won his second term as New York uh, City mayor uh, with 56%. This was, this was an election day. It's obviously an off year, so it wasn't very much elections happen. But one of the things that happens in one of those off years, it's a four-year term, is yep. the New York City mayor. Uh, is the, usually the year, is the year after uh, a major election. So like I next guess. year, de Blasio would be up in theory. Um, but, uh, yeah, Giuliani won and he became the first lame duck mayor ever in New York city That's because right. term limits had just been instituted in 93. Um, so he won this knowing it would be his last term. Um, and obviously his term ended with nine 11 basically. Right. So, yeah. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers switched leagues, American league, the national league. I forgot that that happened. So that happened because in 98, the Arizona Diamondbacks and the uh, Tampa Bay at that time, devil rays joined the American baseball. League. Yep. And that kind of gave baseball a chance to kind of realign. They wanted to realign some of those divisions. When did um, the Astros flip then? Uh, they would, uh, more recently, they flipped a couple, they flipped a couple years ago. Was that it? I've, hasn't it been at least 10 years? About 10 years ago. Okay, yeah. okay. All right. But still, but not at that time period. I got it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was the first. Uh, yeah. Bruce was the first team to do it. Uh, and then a 72 year old woman named Eleanor Boyer in New Jersey mm-hmm. won $11.8 million in the lottery. Okay. She then gave half of it to her church and half of it to her town, keeping nothing. What the fuck? Don't give it to your town. She gave it to like the, like the fire department and stuff like that. Yeah, they're just going to fucking spend it on bear cats and shit. So what would you, if you won the lottery, what would you spend 11? Let's say you got a lump sum of, uh, I, I guess her lump sum, this was 11.8 before taxes. So yeah, she probably got million. like six or seven million. So yeah. let's say someone gave you $6 million tomorrow. What would you do with it? I wouldn't live a much different life than I live right now. I'm pretty like, I, so I would obviously would, I would spend time on our creative projects. So we would do this podcast probably, um, a little bit differently with uh, a whole marketing team behind us and some other stuff, but I would probably, I would, I would move, I would put a house on the ocean somewhere. Um, but beyond that, I don't think I would live to it. So the house would be expensive because of the location, but it wouldn't be, I don't, the house we're in now is too big. We want, we want a smaller house. So it wouldn't, I don't need a big house. I don't need a lot of fancy things. I would just do creative projects and whatever there would be charitable. I would set up some sort of charitable foundation, um, directed towards a few different causes, but, uh, I, I'd have to work that out. There would be, there would definitely be charity. Oh, wow. What a, what a great guy. Shut up. I would, uh, I would, uh, I'd have two homes. I'd have one home on the, I'd probably do Winnebago instead of two homes, but yeah, I, uh, one would be on the coast of Maine. Yep. Um, uh, like th- that bar Harbor area. Yeah. So right there. Yeah. House right there. Once again, wouldn't like I agree with you. I don't need a huge house. Yeah, I, I just want something that has all the kind of bells and whistles, but that, but also doesn't need to be very large. Nope. Uh, and then I would have a house out west for the winter because I just can't do the winters well, here. Yeah, the but, winters here are awful. What the fuck's going on with Quantum Week? You gonna make me go to fucking Vegas to to record Quantum Week? Yeah. What about okay? What okay okay? I'll I'll, I'll take your what about we do Key West instead? Uh, I really like Key West. I, I want to be out. I want to be COVID at that I, time. Honeymoon in Key West. Key West is beautiful. Yeah, I love I'm Key just West. there. Um. Yeah. Can Key we West do that awesome. instead of the West? I I'd get a third home in Key West. Maybe a six million. At six million, though, yeah, probably won't do that. But yeah, you yeah, can, you, you I really just, want to live out out uh, west, though. But you're gonna be landlocked. In around Vegas, you're landlocked. You're three hours from the ocean. Yeah, that doesn't I, feel I, I right. I want to go to those places, though. I wanted to. I would definitely. I want to go to those places too. But do you want to live get, there? I would get a place outside Vegas. You want to live there though? Uh, in the winter, especially in like three or four months there. You wouldn't. What about? But you I would be, totally vacation in Key West too, though. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to live in Key West instead of the West? No, Key, I don't want to live in Key West. I like Key West a lot. It's like Portsmouth. I, I want to live there. All the tourists would be so annoying. 
Yeah, it might be. That seems that's like a, that's the hard like a, part. But I, it's so cool. I love it there. We did. We did. I was like the you know I got married in late January. We immediately went on a honeymoon. Thank God, because right before the <laughs> pandemic. Right. Um. So we had a great trip. You know, probably the last time I'll ever be on a plane and not think on some level about COVID. Right. Um. But yeah, I, uh, it was it was a great time. Key West is a great place to go. And but it's just all tour. Everything is touristy there. Like no yeah, one. You know. I guess you're right. It's I'm, I'm good. I, I yeah. I, I, I would uh. Noir and I talk, man. I'd love to get a place just out on the main, just right on the water in Maine. Yeah, me too. I like to live up there. Just, yeah. You, you, you're one of those two removed, and, you know, if you want to have kids, it just makes it tough. But, um, yeah. Man, oh, man, I love that. I just, you know, we vacationed there uh, for a week, well, a couple months ago, and just smelling that ocean air every day. I know. I'm with and you. And hearing that. the waves. I know. Like, oh, this is where I want to be. Yeah, it's pretty badass. I would do that. I go to the beach in Rye like um, a couple times a week. I bring I bring the puppy and we just kind of just walk the beach. But it's oh man, it's just nice. Yeah, I love it. I love the ocean. Yeah, I want to be near it. Um, so I, life wouldn't change too much. Sounds like for you either. No, I mean life. I'm not working now, so it wouldn't <laughs> change. Maybe <laughs> so. No, it probably wouldn't wouldn't change that much. I, I just have I just have a, a different place to go in the winter. Yeah, I just the winters in New Hampshire. I, I just oh man, they're brutal. They are tough. They're brutal. Yeah, even I, for, I can I can understand why people leave this area. Yeah, I do. I get it. But it makes you hardy. It makes you hardworking. You yeah, have I'm to be, good. I'm, I'm good. I'm I'm done. I'm you know I, I nothing. You don't think you have any more character to build? Uh, I beg to differ, my friend. What what character do you want me to build? The character of someone who works hard, uh, who's able to survive. I worked the winter. very hard for a long time, and now I'm. I'm with you. I'm slowing down too. You're losing two miles per hour off your fastball, but I, you're right. I'm getting tired. By the way, I do want to announce this on Twitter too. Our show is running along. Well, I, I know oh, yeah. this. Yeah, Matt yeah. did. Uh, Matt and I were. Matt was talking trash uh, on Twitter and said that he was he would beat me in tennis. Yeah, I did. But I did bring. It. I said, "You want to play Friday?" And what did you say? I said, I have a fractured wrist. I can't do oh, that. Okay. I All was right. totally bullshitting, but yes. I, I can't do it lefty, but righty when I'm healed. No problem. No problem. I would be, I oh. take lessons every week and I'm quite good. I'm also, I'm also quite fast. But, I'm pretty fast too. Okay. And very athletic. <laughs> what do you mean? This okay. Is that false confidence Matt has. Matt's like, Oh yeah, I, I would win. Well, I was you've never seen me on, play. On, I've done. You've never I, seen me play. Uh, have you done? I've done lessons every week for the past year. I know, but you don't know how, you don't know how athletic I am. I'm very athletic. Don't you know? I played sports all my life. We went out and played disc golf, and you got your head handed. That's to right. You. Well, I I did. I never once said I'd win. I never played before. I played tennis before, though. That's a difference. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you're when Matt's ever not old and uh, <laughs> broken down, yeah. it's just I broke I broke my wrist. So that uh, match will not happen. No, it won't that, happen. I'm reason, sorry, Matt. Yeah. I was yes. I was I was peacocking a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> False confidence, Matt. That's what we got to call. But him. it's False not. No, I have Matt. a lot of confidence in stuff that I do well. And I just didn't want to see well. you so cocky about your tennis skills because I would destroy you. I think even now playing lefty wouldn't destroy me. I, I what? Uh, you would beat me as a lefty. That's the problem. You would beat me. We'll play five. If t- I tell you, what, we can play five games. I'll give you. Two? It was the best of five, so three. I'll give you a game. I can't serve lefty. That's my problem. God damn it. That might hold you back. <laughs> Can you? Wait, you play lefty? I play lefty. No, I'm not going to play lefty. Oh, now I see where the cracks in the... In I, the I never once said I could. Once again, I'm not... I, I, false confidence, Matt. Matt just says he can do things that he has no idea about. I can... What do you mean? No, I, I can play <laughs> you know, tennis. Your instinct was to see it. You're like, I... I you're, that's the thing. Dude. I can play tennis, just not lefty. Does that work with people? You can just like pretend like you, you can do things and people believe you? Yes. That's not... No, of course not. Not great. 
What do you mean not great? You I sh- do stuff. What do you mean? I'm one of the most productive people you know. That's not what I'm saying. I didn't say about that. You, you, you will claim wait, 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 to be good wait, wait. at things I am, and have no, no idea how. No, no, no. Yes, Normally it's not. No, no, no. You will say no, you, your default is no, yes, yes, yes. No. For this one, because you were getting no, all braggadocio. No, it's not this, this one. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait. I do a lot of things well. You have to, you, you have to admit that. You do some things well. A yeah. lot, what do you mean some things? A lot of things well. Do we have to go down the list? Yep. What are my top fives? I don't know. No, I do a lot of things well. Okay. I know the things I don't do well. Tennis is not one of them. I can play tennis. I just have a broken wrist. Okay. Do you think you can ride a bike well? Shut up. Here's a big example. That's not competitive. That's not competitive. If you, if if what? I, I, I want people to like it. Just, they want to they're talk, still talking about nostalgia. Now it's just two guys bickering. Great example. So Matt, this is a great example of Matt's false confidence. Uh, so, <laughs> so Matt's like, uh, we're t- we're, Matt had to go to New York or go, oh no, Matt had to go to, on a trip. Uh, I'm sorry, recently, um, to Massachusetts when you were covering for Kirk. Yeah. You, and yeah. And you're like, Hey, we could tape remote. I'm like, ah, hey, I don't, you know, I don't like to, let's just, let's just do more episodes the week before you leave. Cause I don't want to tape. Remote. And we did, we did, didn't we? Yes, we did. And, and Matt's like, well, we could do it. Cause I'm like, well, you never know what happens. You go to an Airbnb <laughs> and you might not have great Wi-Fi. You never know. That's like, that's never been a problem for me. I'm like, well, okay, that may be true, but that still could happen. You, you can't depend on the Wi-Fi. <laughs> Matt's like, oh no, it'll be great. Like he's just that's so confident. Not, and you're like, like what the fuck? Like it's such a, imagine being confident at some point you've never been, you, that you don't own. It's, that's it's, not where it's, my it's confidence was sitting there. though. Hold on, hold so on. So what happens when you went okay, to that wait. place? No, no, let's, let's put it. You're hundred percent right. Yes. That place had shitty fucking <laughs> Wi-Fi. But here's where my confidence sits. It's unbelievable. But then here's the situation, though. My confidence sits in my ability to deal with that situation because you want to know what happened the day after. I moved to a place that had amazing internet where you wouldn't, you would have, you sat there in your shitty internet place and fucking took it. Took because it like a I little bit. I was on bitch. vacation. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't on vacation. Gonna leave. We were on I the wasn't, o- we were on, we were, had this gorgeous place right, right. On the, right on the ocean. I'm not so going to Wi Fi. But I prioritized the fact that I needed to work. So if we did need to do the show remote, it would have been totally fine because I, the next night, moved. Barbara and I to a place that had amazing Wi-Fi, didn't I? I solved the problem. I'm confident in the fact that I would it. solve but the problem. You said you said that place. I've said this would has have... never been a problem for me you because I deal with you it. You make it sound like you've had millions of. It I've just, been to probably forty or fifty Airbnbs in this okay. time. Okay, maybe. But and you never know what's going to happen. My point. I know, but that, I'm but I'm confident. In the, no, it's not false because I'm confident in my ability to assess the situation and make the right decision afterwards. You said afterwards. that place would have great Wi-Fi. But that wasn't where my confidence was. My confidence was in the fact of me being able to deal with the situation. Yeah. And I did. Unlike you, you sat there oh, and wallowed in your terrible Wi-Fi. Matt, Matt I hate, hate to break it to you, but the idea of leaving a place isn't this revolutionary, you know, amazing invention. Not the Tom, uh, Thomas Edison of leaving a, a hotel area. Maybe no One shit could have left. It. But I, we, we didn't want to leave. Our, that place was par- where I stayed. All I'm saying is your This you're- place we stayed at in Maine, I actually look every week. I go to the real estate listings. I look. I'm like, is there anything available on that street? I'm like, I, we, we're not going to move. But like, that's but it's okay. like, I, I, that's how. So but I'm not you're just using that as an example. You're using that, using that example as false confidence. When I was saying I'm confident in the fact that I would have dealt that's with it accordingly. That's not what you said at the time. You said this place will have great Wi-Fi. Check the tape. We didn't do it until it was off air. Well, then fuck it. Uh, exactly. But <laughs> Okay, tell you what, that's you, not false confidence. If you think if you think Matt Carano has false confidence, please tweet at him. Oh come on! Know. Thank you. <laughs> All right, anything else? That's it. All right, we'll see you on the next one.